0: If you're not ready to change gear neurologically, this podcast is not for you. These particularly challenging times can actually be seen as a life-giving opportunity for expansion, disguised as an impossible situation. As we grow into our own wholeness through this global great awakening, we are more aware than ever that we are all one. Join with us to raise the collective consciousness, whole and one. You've got this. Here's your host, Sheila E.
1: Hello and welcome everyone to Hole and One with Sheila. A show designed to introduce you to the people and the ideas that will bring you ever closer to mind-derived health optimization. In this series, we aim to teach you how to manage your self-talk, build a healthy relationship with anxiety, and rewrite your narrative. Tell yourself that different story. It's just like doing a bicep curl for your brain. Join us weekly to hear the stories of love, wisdom, and truth that have completely changed the lives of our specially selected guests. Remember guys, nothing has any meaning except the meaning that you give it. We're joined on today's show by Maria Dolores of Scandinavia. Maria is a coach and a HR expert. She works with leadership teams in risk, change and crisis management. With dignity as her own and her business core value, she believes that a mindset that is firm, fair and friendly can deepen human governance with integrity which has obvious personal and professional growth benefits and can in fact, in turn, affect to increase civil courage. Maria has written two books on the subject of these ethical codes of conduct, which she has built around seven principles of human dignity. She's here today to share her own life story and to tell us about a movement in the form of a human contract that she has launched and dearly wishes to champion, not least in her upcoming solo cast with Voice America. Maria, you are so welcome to the show. Great to be chatting with you at long last.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so honored and and thankful to be here.
1: Well, it is just (laughs) wonderful to finally get our interview launched. We've had so many chats in advance of this. Yeah, and we will be working together in the future, so it is just such an yeah. exciting connection. Maria, before mm-hmm. we begin chatting about the human contract and your wonderful pen pictures in prose, can you tell us about the person behind the human contract?
2: Yes, well, um, um I was uh, born and raised here in Sweden, uh, I grew up on the countryside uh, here in Sweden um a middle middle income family um um i uh, uh, i lived in los angeles uh, for a year and uh, i've um, i worked at um, I've, I've been working with human resources now for for more than 20 years uh I worked in the Swedish steel industry and in the forest industry, and at the Swedish prosecution authorities. Uh, I've also trained uh, management teams in uh, how to handle crisis uh, with a uh, business risk management team, uh, and um, it's uh, so. So that's. Uh, Summarize a bit about my professional career. Yeah, that is. I've done I've, I've done uh, several, you know, over the time several leadership uh, workshops, and I've I've been working with human resources both on operative and strategic, and I've also trained uh, in in the entire human resource. Uh, process so
1: okay that is amazing and not unlikely then maria that you would be taken on a meandering journey to this human contract that is the epicenter of your world now can you tell us about that yeah
2: i i was sitting down years ago talking to a friend about what is really the core of leadership and it's it's about being human so what is the core of being human uh, and my, my friend, joran uh, we talked about that, you know, if it should be that we have both rights, but we also have responsibilities. And at that time, we talked about obligations. Um, and so I, I, I wrote this book, and it's in Swedish, but uh, the title is in English, it's uh, A State of Grace, Human Rights and Human Obligations. And so in this, my, my first book, I, I talk about uh, the six different areas. Uh, and the areas, the first one is that we have the right to our body, uh, which is the first principle that I talk about in the human contract, that we have the right to our body, but we're also responsible for our body. We have the right to our thoughts and we have the right to our emotions but we're all also responsible for our thoughts and emotions, and and so all of these uh, seven principles are based on United Nations Universal Declaration of Human Rights. But we also have responsibility. Our that's just modern leadership, uh, and so the four, the first three, uh, body, thought, and emotion are personal. And then the the the, la- the coming three is interpersonal, so we have the freedom of of expression. We have the right to uh, to talk and and to freely express ourselves and create, uh, like we're doing right now. But we also have a responsibility, and that comes back to dignity. Uh, so that's the fourth expression. And then what what is very uh, uh, on the news and everywhere right now is the freedom of movement and that we do have the freedom of movement. We have been on this planet for more than 200,000 years, but we also have a responsibility in our movements and it can come down to the that we need to have a mask or, or to dress accordingly to where we're at or, you know, uh, if if you and I would visit our friends in, in uh, London, you know, we, 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 we need to drive accordingly. We need to follow the rules. So uh, that is the fifth principle, uh, the freedom of movement. And then the sixth principle is life. You have the right to your life. You have the right to live with whomever, wherever, and however you like, but not at the cost of any other. So um, any any label that we we, we place or, or that we identify ourselves with, we have the right to that. But it's not okay to exercise our freedom above anyone else. Sheila, did you know that we have about forty thousand girls every single day that are are married into uh, married and un- involuntarily children. And so there's many, many millions of girls who do not have the right to their life. Um, and then the seventh principle is that what we really need is to unite as, as humans. And so the seventh principle is our collective rights but we also have responsibilities and to to stand up with uh, what we refer to as civil courage you know it's not a moral thing a fear god but but we're just standing up for humans for each other's so that's the seven principles the body thought emotion and then our expression our communication movement and life and then our collective rights and responsibilities.
1: Maria, can I thank you on everybody's behalf for doing all of the work that has gone into this because it is like something that should be scripted on everybody's kitchen wall that we all refer to on a daily basis just to keep us accountable. It's absolutely beautiful and so full of essence. So as a human contract movement then, how do people involve in this? How are you going to launch this Human contract as a movement.
2: Yes, I, uh, of course, I, I do talks, um, and I I'm. Uh, it's it's easy for me to connect with all kinds of people, uh, and uh, I'm comfortable in in both the boardroom as well as uh, large arenas, and and to talk and to inspire. That's that's really my drive that I would just love to give. And to inspire um the the platform that i'm uh starting uh is called the human contract dot world uh so it's a dot world uh address um and you know it, it's um i'm i'm like you said i, I will be a host uh on uh, voice america uh, i'll also have a um, we've um, been, been writing in uh, uh, brains magazine and uh, I will form also my YouTube the YouTube channel for the the human contract
1: to keep the information going out there and to keep broadening perspectives. Yes, And Maria, is it enough yet to share, to continue inspiring? So Mm -hmm. do we then follow this information online and do we sign up to this human contract? Do we read its contents? Do we digest it? Do we interpret it and bring our own perspective to it? And then from our own vantage point, do we see whether or not we can buy into it? And if we can, do we sign up to it?
2: Right, right. Uh, for uh, for companies, uh, it's a certification process uh, and to certify, and, and actually that will be a qualification that most companies would need to have connecting the, the United Nations uh, work with the, and intertwine that in, in the company. Uh, so that will be a certification process. Uh, and for individual, you know, for each and every one of us, the contract is not for me <laughs> or for for the platform. The contract is for yourself. Yes, of course. So uh, you're more than welcome to to look at the website and to sign up for, for newsletter. But the contract is for you and by you and for the world. Uh, so...
1: Thank you for clarifying that. So absolutely. What you've done is your many, many hours. You referenced the last time we chatted thousands of hours that you have invested in this. Am I right in saying that in your research? Yeah, and in I think your-
2: I've done about uh, 20,000 hours oh, on awesome.
1: this. Yeah. yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> Not surprising in terms of the depth of research that has gone into this. Um, And then you're sharing that with us as individuals, not within corporations, to just percolate in that amazing knowledge and allow ourselves to rise into the best version of ourselves as we interpret from whatever vantage point is ours on a given day. So it's amazing information. Maria, can you tell us how the story of your life led you to this? Did you have defining moments in your life where you had to give thought to how you felt about your
2: own core values yeah um with with the human contract it's also a understanding of istima and istima is um yeah, I, I created that from a, a, a fictive language because istima means learning and you can also say that istima is crisis, but it's the crisis sounds so you know dark. <laughs> istima is just learning, um, and istima uh, is in each and every um, aspect, both for ourselves and um, and interpersonal relationships, and in organizations, and uh, in in countries, and. Globally, so example of the istema in the personal uh, setting is uh, when you have uh, what what Eckhart Tolle talks about with the pain body that we you know we create suffering and we so we go from one point of of perception or uh, perception uh, or uh, and then. When we shift perception, we, we broaden our perspective. We don't go from a, a narrow-minded perspective and just broaden, but we, we go from from one set of perspective and then we we go into a, a narrow, even more into fear and anger and frustration. And then we broaden, we come to a changing point. Um, the same in interpersonal relationships. You know, each relationship has their tests, and uh, it's it's a matter of uh, uh, understanding the process of uh, learning, and and the learning of when to hold on and when to let go. <laughs> uh, and um, in uh, organizations, I've seen this many times: uh, training management teams in how. Uh, you know in crisis uh, and it can be just as easy as or a difficult as um, quality uh, assurance uh, in um, uh, in on, on countries uh, is estima can uh, can be how we how we hold on to our identification of, of a nation and, and understanding that this is—it's um, part of, of what we have constructed now for hundreds of years, and that the inter integrity of, of the country and a, can be the, the the justice system and the borders to be protected, and and whenever that is in in question, um, it creates an istema in the country. So, for instance, I know that that many people feel that they're being invaded by foreigners, uh, and uh, it's about to respect that feeling and to understand it, but also seeing that uh, the the broader perspective of that we're all human, mm-hmm. and and how we all can and need to be contributing to the country or the the area we're in, and then the estima globally of course is we have we have many challenges uh, we need to see and understand and um, we cannot solve environmental issues uh, on a local you know global problems cannot be solved on a local area but needs to be uh, solved globally and i believe that uh, to be it is by deepening governance and it's a, it's a, it's about how we all see and understand that we all contribute uh, to the, the devastation that we we are creating uh, so uh, so the, the first question that you had was about my own estima is, um, I've experienced several both, um, both, for example, when my mother died. Um, she she had blood cancer. And, um, and I, I sort of knew. That she would be dying from this, but she was really a fighter. Um, and then I I got this phone call we from a friend of hers that was a nurse, and uh, she said, well, "If you want to, if you want to see your mother, now is the time." So I went over. She lived in Florida, uh, where my brother and my father now lives also. And uh it, at first it was really a shock to see her, you know lying in the in the hospital bed. Uh, she was, you know, just like me, uh, very particular about her hair and her makeup and to be you know with with dignity uh, but um uh, yeah she she was really. It was quite undignified, um, and I was I was grieving a lot and crying a lot. And then, uh, uh, in the evening, I remember I I took a shower, and then I went over to the house. I looked myself in the mirror and I said, you know, yes, mom, let's let's do this. Uh, and uh, me and the nurse, we. We washed her, and uh, I curled her hair, and put some light makeup on, and you know, restored her integrity. And I noticed that her nose got cold, even colder and colder. And when 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 her entire nose and up to here was cold, then she she left her body. She she died. Just you know, the last, mm-hmm. um, sigh.
1: Yes.
2: yes. And, uh, then after that, the, the process for me started actually a day later. Um, it was about some decision and I just said, you know, I just need to be alone. And I, I walked into a room, um, uh, uh, a bedroom and, uh, I took a pillow and I hit the pillow so hard, Sheila. I was so mad. I was screaming and yelling and cursing and, you know, really just so angry. And, and underneath the anger was sadness. And so I cried. It it felt like a cartoon uh, crying, um, howling almost. And, uh, and then anger rose again, and uh, after that, I remember I was also laughing because it was really, really chaotic breathing. And and this is um, also working with with meditation and and an understanding of the estima process. I I fully trusted the process. You know, it, it felt like I was going crazy, and that was okay because it was just you know very very intense. Going down, spiraling down, with all these uh, emotions, and then finally hitting rock bottom, and where I uh, uh, I felt very <laughs> washed out and fragile. But um, that that was really my grieving process, and also then a deeper understanding of that life just is came. And I, you know, life just is, it's, we, we, we cling on or we denounce or, or we, we strive for, and we, we struggle and we, we love and we hate, you know, all of these emotions. And, and at, at the end of the day, life just is. Uh, So, yeah, that was, that was a, a, one of, uh, my estima processes
1: a very important isthma process and what a beautiful word Maria and what a beautiful concept to share with us that we can all adopt that same mm-hmm. approach to these learning curves in life I too have ha- have suffered uh, loss in my life and I don't identify with all of how you say you reacted to your experience of loss I identify with some um, mm-hmm. and it's absolutely beautiful for me all these years later to consider that I can look at that now again, because I think uh, as an estima, I think that when you suffer um, life-changing loss like that in your life, it can only be a learning curve because you will hit the ground hard. Um, you won't have that soft place to land in the beginning. It's not natural to have a soft place to land when you have that terrible loss in your life. But it is your job, as you say, if you possibly can at all, or whenever you can, to bounce back. And when you're bouncing back, if you can possibly take learnings from it, then you grow into a better version of yourself for the next time you hit a stumbling block and there will be stumbling blocks. So you had other istamat to experience in your life, Maria, in advance of the birth of your absolutely gorgeous daughter whom I've had the pleasure to meet. Yeah. Um, can you tell us about that one? Uh,
2: yes, that was. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was really uh, questioning. I was at the point in my life. Uh, I was in my thirties, uh, in early thirties, and I questioned. You know why? Why have children? Uh, and I was in a in a relationship, and uh, we broke up. And I met then my my husband, and he really wanted to have children. He had uh, three uh, in an earlier his first marriage. Uh, and you know I said, why, why why do you want to have children?" And I was really, you know questioning why what's what's the what's the meaning? And I asked friends of mine who said, you know, oh, I just want to have children because that's the ultimate love." You know that's quite a burden to put to put on the child. Like you're loving me no matter what. And uh, and someone said, you know, it's um, it's um, how it's uniting uh, uh, the the couple. You know, you some people get divorced anyways, so uh, yeah, that's not the glue. Um, and uh, someone said, you know, my my parents just wanted uh, grandchildren, so. Um, and I, I really questioned all what I heard was, uh, ego and I didn't, um, I didn't want to have children because of ego. And, uh, so at that point I decided, you know, I'm not going to have children. And I was at, we were at a, at a meditation camp and, uh, it was as if I had been wa- walking in, in the forest for, um, uh, for a long time and, you know, uh, tearing and like, why, 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 why do we have children? (laughs) And uh, so at this meditation camp, I I came out uh, emotionally uh, like, and I felt like I was sitting on a, on a, on a meadow, open meadow. Uh, And I was, I was really free. And my interpretation of that was that I should not have children. And then I got pregnant. (laughs) Uh, And from that point, it was really like, you know, a complete other aspect of what I could ever imagine. And um, it was like the sun. (laughs) Uh, And I couldn't have seen the sun before in the place where I was at. And I had a really, you know, for having my first, my one and only child, her name is Grace. it was it was really grace it was really graceful my uh, uh, during my uh, when i was expecting and it was really really powerful uh, in the birth process uh, of uh, breathing in and and uh, a mentor that I had, she uh, she said that uh, look look at the birth process as a meditation. So I was like really focused on on the breathing, like for I don't know how long. In in the end, it was I think it was about uh, ten hours, <laughs> but I was really focused on on the, the the breathing. And in the beginning, it was you know it was like yeah uh, you know the Ravel bolero. The music, yes. So it was like a Ravel Bolero uh, piece. And first it got really, really quiet and started very softly. And then it got more and more intense and uh, staying in presence and and breathing in. And eventually, you know, fear came up like, and at at the end, it was like death fear Uh, and breathing in the fear and and, uh, instead of trying to avoid it. It uh, was really really powerful wow so yeah that, that was a, a powerful estimate
1: yes <laughs> an insightful take on childbirth as well a labor of love isn't it Maria and mm-hmm. that's such a beautiful way to look at you were so consciously aware of what you were doing because you had given it so much thought in advance I'm sure a lot of us perhaps don't do that but we we don't engage with the thought process quite so much in advance of having children and it's lovely to hear you explaining how you did and how therefore then when you were bringing your gorgeous little daughter Grace into the world that you continued your meditative process which is of course a case of becoming familiar with and that's what you did you became familiar with exactly the process so breathing in and breathing out to bring on this new life and The fact that she's named Grace is quite significant because you talk about you having a state of grace and me having a state of grace, which brings on the capacity for the state of grace.
2: Right. Yes, exactly. And that's why my my first book is called A State of Grace. It's it's a recognition of that peace in the world starts within ourselves.
1: Absolutely. And the words of Confucius, indeed, once we get ourselves right, and then we get our relationships that are close at hand right, there's a ripple effect right out into the community, the locality, the country, and the world at large. So two very significant periods of learning, Istima. Was there a third, Maria? Yeah. (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) I've I've had a third. Maybe I'll have some more, but...
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm very sure you will, Maria. As is true for all of us, life seems to be a series of learning curves, some steeper than others. But within this concept of easterment, as you so eloquently describe, therein seems to lie such potential, at least, for restoration and for expansion. It's almost as though in Eastma. The clock strikes awaken. I think this is a perfect time for a segment of refreshment.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice.
1: Turn that
0: negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. are listening to Hole in One with Sheila. To reach the program today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Outside of North America, reach us at 001-480-553-5760. Or send Sheila an email from the Voice America show page. Now back to Hole and One.
1: Welcome back, one and all. Maria... We chatted before the break about two of the three most significant emotional growth spurts in your life so far, namely the passing of your lovely mum and the birth of your beautiful daughter, Grace. But there was a third Eastman Maria, one that filled you with fear, a time in your life when you were subjected to persistent patterns of All forms of controlling, coercive and very threatening behaviour. A time when you were intentionally intimidated, sadistically manipulated and purposely humiliated. You felt isolated and alone in the world, unable to trust anybody, without even the companionship and support of your own family at the time. Such is the toxicity and the contagion of one bad apple. Can you tell us about that time in your life, Maria?
2: Yeah, it was um, in 2012, and um, you know, I was I was miserable. My ex-husband was miserable, and and uh, we had a lot of, of uh, conversations. And then I said, you know, maybe maybe we should divorce. And he got really Really sad and so we we went to two different counselors and we really really tried and uh, it, it didn't work which i later can understand but um so i i said i wanted to divorce in i wanted to divorce with love and you know that was a yeah that, that was ambitious of me, I understand now, but you know that, truly that was my intention. Mm-hmm. Um, and his grief came out in a in a very destructive way. Now he was a, a top manager at, at a international IT company so he had both the the will and the means to... To be stalking me which which he did and uh, i was really really scared uh, he knew where i was uh, what i was eating who i was seeing what we were talking about and he constantly sent me text messages and i i didn't understand where he got all the information from you know um and uh, it, it got really crazy to, you know, the, the worst incident was uh, that I was, uh, I was having lunch with a friend of mine um, and uh, at, at the end of the lunch, um, suddenly my, my friend, he was staring at me and I said, uh, what what's the matter? And he just said, "You, you, you, you have a you have a laser dot in your forehead," and uh, you know, Sheila, it's it's not it's not like we see on on TV shows and and you know in, in movies. It, it was no drama. We were just staring at each other, and then we rose from the table. And when we walked away, that the laser dot was uh, following us in, in zigzag patterns. Um, I I have the experience of what it's like to be able to buy to buy security, but not to feel safe. And um, you know, you can buy. I bought cameras. I bought. Uh, bodyguards and and uh, and still I had this uh, fear. Um, what that taught me, it, it was just a, a glimpse of what I understand that many many millions people all over the world today are feeling like refugees. And, you know being followed and maybe even by a government that's you know what i had was nothing to compare to that um during this time uh, during 2013 uh, my ex-husband developed a, a brain tumor and he he died of the brain tumor in 2015 and that's also when I, I wrote the book, you know, that we have both rights and we have responsibility. And I, I give my ex-husband, everyone have their right to their emotions. And we all have the right to our thoughts. You know, we have the right to hate. But we're also responsible for our thoughts and we're responsible for our emotions. And understanding that this is a way to, to grow as, as, a, as a person, as a human, but it's also a way to grow for us as a humanity.
0: Maria,
1: that was such a tough time. And again, stoically, as always, you learned so much from it. And more or less, as soon as you did your own learning, you decided to turn it into learning for everybody else as well. So I commend that wholeheartedly. And I'm prompted to ask you what you might say to other people then in a more local or domestic way that are suffering that hostage-like environment. So um, people who are living with narcissistic husbands narcissistic wives and um, there's nothing gender specific about coercive control right do you have right. advice for people listening who don't have that larger scale scenario that you reference where they're perhaps suffering the control of somebody who has that type of um, ammunition at their disposal but in a very in, in a smaller domestic way but they're feeling so trapped
2: yeah I you know part part of that dysfunction is that you are controlled and that you you're told that you're um, you're nobody and nobody will trust you and uh, so it's really to be courageous and trying to reach out um, to others. Uh, I had, I had the fortune, you know, I was in a place where uh, at one point that I didn't trust anyone and the irony of having 5,000 connections on Facebook, but, but I didn't trust anyone. And my family turned against me. I didn't, I didn't have a job. I didn't have a, um, I didn't have any, uh, uh I, I didn't have a, a home. I had a, I had a place to, to stay, but I didn't have a home. Uh, and um, it at that point, it was a woman who I, I didn't know. I didn't know at that time. And she just reached out to me and she said, you know, I've heard a lot about you, but I would like to hear your version. And I said, are you sure? And she said, yes. And so I really tried to, to tell her and try to sort out the, what the facts really were and and, our, and my interpretation of the fact, but really trying to see the fact. And uh, so sometimes there, there are persons out there, there are others uh, who see and to understand and we need to help each other. Mm-hmm. And that is the seventh principle: to to talk more and to to acknowledge others of uh, of what is going on. Um,
1: and Marie, if even one person can validate what you're going through, can get into your model of reality, believe in you, believe you, yes, have faith in you. It's yeah. enough to restore that tiny level glimpse of confidence that has been. Pillaged all over those coercive years. Mm. And that's what happened for you at that time, isn't it? You you began to see the light and the gas lighting that had been done before. You were very wise in putting that down then. You didn't allow that to define you as you moved forward. Instead, again, as always, you turned your learning into prose and you put research behind it so that you could share with the world what you had learned at that time. And Regarding, again, present time oppression that people are suffering so terribly from, um, if somebody is in that coercive space and um, they're being controlled, a lot of times you have parent alienation as well. Did you suffer any of that? Did your husband use your beautiful daughter in any way to depreciate your sense of self?
2: Yes, there are... Um, they're- it's um, uh, there are many different ways to control a person by financial or information, or and um, he uh, he really used uh, all of these different like and um, uh, violence and no there's there so many things to intimidate another one and to to crazy making. And, um, uh, yeah, but uh, again, I believe in, uh, to, for you to, if you are abused and, and you're made small in that way, uh, it's, it's very important to, to be that brave person and to try to reach out and, um, uh, I'm sure there will be people around you maybe and probably might be the people that you do not um, thought would uh-huh. would be there. Um, and so uh, um, we, we I... need to we need to change this. we need to understand better that we both have ris- rights and responsibilities and and to, with, like you said before, with, with the dignity and, and with the empowerment to talk about, you know, to to say, no,
0: mm-hmm.
2: this is not right.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You're doing this at the cost of someone sure. else. Sure, mm-hmm. and
1: sometimes no is a full sentence. And so exactly like you say, people within relationships have rights and responsibilities, but a lot of times you find, like you, that the person who's being oppressed or victimized becomes a common denominator where many, many of their special people turn their center away from them and they find themselves like an island. So why did your family at that time turn their center away?
2: Um, Well, uh, I think my father, he, he did what he thought was best for my daughter uh, at that time, you know. Of course, he he, uh, he has said uh, he, ha- he has asked for forgiveness now, and, and we're we're okay. But uh, and you know, at that time we didn't know that uh, my ex husband had this tumor and and how crazy it it was, like literally. Um, but. Um, and I think, you know, people try to do the right thing from their perspective. It's just that sometimes we don't have the, the broader perspective. We're more fear-driven.
1: Sure.
2: sure. And, uh, so it, it's very important for us to, to face our fears and, and trying to trying to broaden the perspective and trying to be the more courageous ones.
1: Okay, very challenging though for you when you were that common denominator, but you weren't the problem. Mm. So, when all of these other people were gathering together, uh, whether remotely or physically, to Mm. align their stories, and they decided from their vantage point, as you say, probably in some cases for the higher good. So, it was for the benefit of grace. And so, they were looking at what they thought was you know their reason their reason to probably disbelieve you um but it is for you and for other people who feel oppressed like that it's very important to find that one person like you did and you didn't even find that one person that person found you so you have to remain faithful don't you isn't it very important to where possible keep your vibration up believe that right will be done. So Mm -hmm. even when people are being collectively oppressive and you can't divide to conquer because you don't have that power over them, that if you just can have faith and belief in your own goodness, Mm -hmm. the universe will send that one person to you who will have faith and trust in your story, which will then just ignite that self-efficacy again. So when you began to believe in yourself again, Maria, and you made sense, that awful time you very quickly decided to put it down you weren't going to be defined by it you weren't going to allow it to hold you back you began to write and you've launched now this whole new chapter of your life the human contract and it's possible for all of us to follow you online but you're also doing you're going to be doing corporate training yes yes and can you tell us what shape that will take so what will that be like
2: no it's it's um uh it's just a, a certificate uh, that you that the the corporation is working with the uh, the human contract, the seven principles of human dignity, and uh, and uh, uh, accordingly to to a standard. I will I will write more about it on on the. The homepage. On um, the homepage. The and the humancontract.world.
1: .world. And your books, uh, one of your books is available in English, am I right? The human contract is available in English. And yes,
2: it, it will be available now in 2021 in the fall. <laughs> it, it comes in the fall, yes.
1: Amazing. So, and A State of Grace, will that be available in English or is yes. it available in English? um it that will be
2: um yes but um that that's also a bit further and but yes it will i will translate it
1: amazing (laughs) now the solo podcast with voice america so that is going to be you're not interviewing anybody it's just you on your platform sharing with the world one principle Mm -hmm. at a time am i right maria
2: Yes, correct. And so it will be eight episodes, and the first episode, like, is a is a general introduction and more about uh, the values and, and about istima and and a general introduction, just like uh, I've had here, um, and then uh, the coming episodes are about each and uh, of the of the different principles. So, eight as a total
1: eight yes. eight shows in total and when so when you describe each of these principles how long will your your solo cat will each episode be is it an hour long
2: no no I'm planning to keep it short uh, both uh, auditively and and uh, visually uh, to have a more uh, like maybe 20 minutes so it will be like easy to listen to when you're on your way to work or, you know, to to share. Lovely,
1: sound bites, sound bites. And we'll be able to then glean from each principle as you explain it, how it can inform our betterment and our growth and our expansion. Mm. Maria, it's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. I love that word, Istima. I had a chat with the gorgeous Andrea Splendori today as well. And he was talking about, yes, gorgeous. He was talking about holiday, having a holiday every day. So he talks about um, everything that you do that is some downtime in which you do your learning and your processing. He calls that a holiday. So whether it's your run or your walk or your meditation, that you call it a holiday. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was such a lovely concept. Because yeah. Sometimes we find it difficult to tune out and to engage in our creative selves and the things that aren't work-oriented we kind of take busy as a badge of honor these days so similar to that holiday which andrea splendori recommended i love that word easterman because rather than the heavy-hearted crisis, crisis mode that we sometimes get into which in its own right is so oppressive it's difficult to push through mm-hmm. when crisis is the word that you're using it's, it's heavy mm-hmm. even learning as you say sometimes has an association with hard work but Istima it's just you know you don't even need to explain it it just is like as you say Maria life just is Justice just yes. is as well exactly Maria mm-hmm. my sister from another mother it mm-hmm. has been an absolute pleasure thank you so much Thank you. We're having such fun. We're, uh, we're working together as well. So I encourage yes. everybody to keep an eye on that. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it's been a pleasure. I'll be following the podcast, as you know, on Voice America. Which is your channel, by the way? Which channel yeah. will you be on? Empowerment. Empowerment. you me both, yes. kid. you me both. Yes. Okay, amazing. Maria, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so very much for joining me. And I'll chat with you very soon again. Yes. Thank you, Sheila. Thank, Thank you, you kindly. Oh, Thank you guys and gals. Don't forget to tune in every Wednesday on Voice America's Empowerment Channel. Bye for now. Slangafoyle.
0: Thank you again for joining us for Hole in One. Please join your host, Sheila E. Hirine, for another edition of this amazing program next Wednesday at 12 noon US Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we meet again, remember no matter the question, love is the answer. You've got this.